Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. We are looking at New Testament giving, spirit-inspired generosity. What is your responsibility? What is my responsibility financially towards the work of God? Bringing our finances in alignment. Told you about Haggai, God rebuking an attitude, asking them to repent. An attitude where people pay more attention to themselves and less attention to the things of God concerning their finances. And God was telling them, hey, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build my house. And you will see if I will not delight in it. Going to the mountains for us today is like going to do business, begin a startup, okay? Being an entrepreneur and bringing wood for the house of God is like bringing what is necessary for the furtherance of the house of God. The Old Testament, the house of God was the temple, which was destroyed before the captivity by the king of Babylon. So before the New Testament believer, we are both the temple of the living God. It means that what God was saying to Haggai, it was timely when it was given, but the application of that principle was timeless. So that means that for us today, God will say, wherever you are going, put it at the back of your mind that you are going up to the mountain. Whatever mountain, you know, we call business, entertainment, all these sectors of human endeavors, we call them mountains, okay? So whatever mountains that you are going into, have it at the front of your mind. I'm going up to this mountain so I can bring down resources for the things of God, for the kingdom of God, for the purposes of God. Is what Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The word righteousness means right standing. It means alignment. Okay, you are standing where God wants you to stand. The ability to stand before God without fault. So we call that righteousness. So when he says seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness in this sense means in alignment. Don't be out of order because that's where fault is. When you are out of order, then you are at fault. Okay? So if you see God's purposes, then you are supposed to bring your business, your finances in alignment with his will and with his purpose. So in this teaching, I'm showing you how that you can bring your business, how that you can bring your finances in alignment with God's order. Bring it into order. Bring it into conformity. Hallelujah. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, henceforth, we should not live for ourselves. That means that the reason why you are doing your job is not for yourself. It's not to be the richest person on earth. Oh, my brother, you miss it. My sister, you miss it. If that is the goal, that, oh, the reason why I'm doing this, you'll be the wealthiest man on earth. No, that cannot be the purpose. That is the purpose of people in the world. We cannot have the same mind like they do. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. Allow the mind of Christ within your spirit. Renew your mind in the natural so that you can see properly. If the purpose why you are doing something is wrong, every other thing will be wrong. If the foundation of the building is wrong, it does not matter how beautiful the things that you built on that foundation is. It does not matter how magnificent the interior is. Everything will come crashing because the foundation is not right. Luke chapter 6, Jesus said a parable. He said, he that hears my word and do it 
I would liken that man to someone who dug deep on a rock and built his house. Then the wind came, then the storm came, and the house stood. But the one who hear my word and does not do it, he's like a man that just built on the plane, no foundation. Just started putting the blocks and just building the structure. He said, when the wind comes, oh, what a great ruin. And it has been so for many of us in our businesses, in our finances. But God is bringing truth. Showing you where the devil has been robbing you. Showing you why there have been corruption. Some people spend their money on sicknesses. Some spend it on diseases. Some spend it on emergencies. Some spend it on risky ventures that brings nothing. It's because our minds are not focused on God. Question your intention. What's the intention why I want to be rich? What's the intention why, why I just want to have a good business? A successful business? What's the intention behind my career? What's the purpose? What's the motive? And when I can know it, that, oh, this is my intention. No, this, this intention is not spiritual. This intention is me, 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 me. Oh, because my mates are driving the latest car, the fastest cars. They have the best houses in town. Oh, because I just want something for myself. Because it's for yourself, self, self, me, you, me, I, self. Because it's self, self, self. You are robbing yourself of an opportunity to be a bigger blessing for the world. The reason why you are here is henceforth that you should not live for yourself. To live for God. So, are you living for God? You will know from your finances. You will know by the way you structure your business. I hear people say all the time that, why are you not part of Bible study? Why are you not part of the ministry? You know, people will tell you, oh, it's my work. It's my job. It's my business. That's the excuse that people have for not being profitable in the things of God. They say, it's my job. It's my work. Man, it's amazing how people think. It's surprising how people think. You mean your business is taking you away from the things that will be recorded on your account in eternity? You mean your job, which someone can fire you from, he's taking you away from the crown which God will give you, which no man can take away from you? You mean you are so natural conscious that we cannot begin to speak unto you as unto spiritual. You mean your business so occupies your time. He takes away the time for prayer. He takes away the time for study. He takes away the time that you spend in church. He takes away the time for you to even be an effective minister in ministry. And you're just living for someone else. The person that can fire you. You mean you are living for a business that something can happen? You know how many people went out of jobs during COVID-19? You know how many people lost livelihoods? And a God who everything that you do for him, he's faithful to reward it, not just on the face of the earth, but also in eternity. Peter said, we have left all for you. Jesus said, I know you've left all for me. But there is an hundredfold benefit that is coming in this life and in the worlds to come. Will your boss pay you an hundredfold? Have your business paid you an hundredfold? But there's a God that promises you much more. And you are living for the natural. It's time to live in the view of eternity. Henceforth, don't live for yourself. If you can get this understanding, 
my mind, what a blessing you are going to be to the church of God. I want to call your attention to something in Agai. Agai is before Zechariah. Look at verse 13 of chapter 1. He said, Then spake Agai the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirits of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, the spirit of Jeshua, the son of Jesodek, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. It's time. It's time to be stirred up. That's why I said it is spirit inspired. I believe that the Lord will speak to you. I, these words that you are hearing, they are not my words. Few days ago, the Lord gave me this scripture in Haggai. Few days later, the Lord came and said, Now you teach this. In 2014, I've taught this in Ogun State in Agoweye, where the Lord told me expressly to go down there to teach his saints. Where I taught about the giving by grace. The New Testament giving is a giving by grace. And it brought so much grace to the people there, where beyond tithes and offering, people could give. I mean in real time. What I mean in real time, I'm talking about when people can give, when there is a need. People were giving their full stuff. That never happened prior to that time. Because it's a student setting. A brother has a need. He lacks full stuff. People from their homes, they were giving full stuff. and say, go give to that brother. Go give to that sister. Oh, this brother does not have tea And there was so much cohesion among the brothers and sisters. Because it was spirit inspired. You see, we have to be careful as ministers to teach God's people right. Why? Because there's a grace of God upon giving. There's a grace of God that people are not compelled to give. And yet they give so much beyond their expectation. Why? Because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can act or think according to his riches in glory. Many times we make it a commandment for people because we want people to give and we want to emphasize the need for people to give. So we preach tithing. So we preach fresh fruits. But there is a blessing that God wants to demonstrate there is an unusual move in the finances of people. I speak this by the Spirit. That God wants to demonstrate in His church, but it is going to be by grace. Because if it is by grace, then faith is how we connect to it, not law. You see, law and faith cannot mix. Titan and fresh fruits, all those things were a commandment under the law. Some said we can give titan by grace. No, you can't give titan by grace. Why? Because if you are talking about, oh, you want to do it by grace, then you cannot make it a necessity for people to do. Abraham gave tithes. He gave it once. Just once in his lifetime. And he didn't give it from his own substance. He gave it from the spoils of war, which were not his. If that is the way you want to preach titan today, you cannot demand it by necessity from people. But you see, many times we preach giving in the New Testament as if we forget something in the Old Testament. Everything is by grace. The hearing of faith is by grace. He that ministered to you the Spirit, how does he do it? Is it by the law or by the hearing of faith? So that means that anything that God is giving by the Spirit today, it comes as a result of hearing by faith. The Bible says we are saved by grace, true faith. 
So there is a demonstration of giving that comes from the position of faith so that grace can rest upon people. There is such a thing in the New Testament as giving by grace, not giving by the law. Don't tell us to give light according to the law. Don't tell us to give first fruit by the law. Those things we are enforced in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, those things were not there. And yet the people gave. Under the Old Testament, for example, there was no account. Check your Bible. There was no account under the Old Testament where people gave their houses, where people gave their lands for God. No account whatsoever. Please go and check your Bible. Read it. Read it over and over. You, you will see that there was no account where people gave their properties, where people gave their houses, where they gave it to the Lord. But in the New Testament, under the dispensation of grace, people gave by grace. God said there was so much grace upon the people. They were selling land. Nobody told them to sold their land. And yet they knew by the leading of the Spirit to give their land. That's an extreme giving. It never happened under the law. Ministers have to be careful. Let's not preach giving as if we do not trust in the ability of God. Grace is the ability of God. It's the thing that only God can do, which we cannot do. We know that there is of a necessity need in writing books, in broadcasting our sermons and services and what have you. We know that those things require money in traveling for missionary work in different parts of the world, in propagating the gospel according to what God has said to us in regards to the Great Commission. We know that money will be involved. But let's preach giving in line with the New Testament reality. That's when it's going to be a blessing to us. That's when it's going to be a blessing to the church. So the minister himself must allow the grace flow. Just the way the apostles never told them to sell their land. Just the same way the apostles never told them to sell their houses. I mean, does it not fascinate you that people who build houses sold everything off and said because there is a need in the body of Christ. People who have properties sold it because there is a need in the body of Christ. Nobody told them to. It was inspired by the Spirit. That's what the church is yet to experience in full measure. I'm not talking about when it happens and we say it's a miracle. In the New Testament, it was not a miracle. In the New Testament, it was a move. It was a movement. It was a revival in giving. It has never happened until that particular time in the history of the Chronicles of God. No, it never happened. This was the first time. In the chronicles of the move of God, that God's people we are selling and giving their all. Do you know when you sell your house, that means that you are going to be homeless? That means that you no longer have a house of your own? That means that that land that you bought, you think, oh, this land, I'm just going to, you know. And when God came in, you are saying, I gave that land out for the sake of, it's no longer going to be a miracle. It's going to be a movement. The spirit-inspired giving that God is talking about, it's not a miracle that happens one. One is happens once or twice. We say, oh, that's a miracle. Oh, this person came to give and we make it a testimony. But when it becomes a movement, we will say these people are known for doing this. It's no longer going to be a miracle within the church, in the body of Christ. We say this is the movement. This is the hand of God. It becomes normal for the people of God. They're ministers. And I'm saying this to everyone. I'm saying this so that people who also thought that, oh, since there's no tithing, oh, hallelujah, no more tithing, I, I can spend my money. No, you can't. 
I said, no, you can't. Oh, since there's no more um, tithing now, I'm first fruit. Thank God. I cannot spend money to buy the latest bone straight air. No, you can't. No, you can't. When there's a need in the body of Christ, no, you can't. Now you have to be spirit-led to give. God is not asking you to be poor. Because God knows, like I said earlier, that in your prosperity lies also the prosperity of the kingdom. God knows that you have need of the things that you have need of before you ask him. But he's asking you, pay attention to me. Put my things first because I died for you first. Because I loved you first. Because I cared for you first. And now it's time to live for me first. Me first. Not you first. Him first. His kingdom first. His purposes first. His plans first. His desires first. His will first. It's that time. It's that season. Spirit guided. Just the way you are guided in your ways. Just the way you are guided in going out. Just the way you are guided in marriage. I see many people who just pray and pray and pray and pray over their partners. But they don't pray concerning their finances. In, in, in the sense that, Lord, what will you have me give to your body? What will you have me give to your church? And many times some of us know within our heart that we are supposed to give. We say, that's too much. Well, how much is the blood of Jesus worth? Can you pay back? Of course you can't pay back. God is not asking you to give anything that he has not given you. He's simply asking you to give that which he has put in your custody. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the people that dwell therein. The material resources, the natural resources, the resources of your mind, okay, your intellect, all those things comes from God. They didn't come from you. So God is not asking you to give what he has not given to you. Who have given to the Lord? That's what the Bible says. That it should be given back to him. So don't think that, oh, just because we are saying that, oh, there's no tithe you, are feeling that, oh, well, I'm free from giving. You must be one of the most ungrateful person, shallow-minded person on earth to feel that because we are not talking about tithing, it means that you are free from giving. That means that the love in your heart is little. No. Now, God is not asking you to give 10%. God is asking you to give, if need be, your very life. In the New Testament, our lives are called drink offering. Paul said that I am ready to be poured out. Peter said the same thing. I'm ready to be poured out like a drink offering. In the Old Testament, you bring a drink of wine, you pour it before the Lord. In the New Testament, our lives became drink offering. And our lives have to be poured out. And we have to live that way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, downward. All things are ours. Life, this world, he said everything, Paul, Apollos, whatever. He said even death. So our death itself can also become drink offerings to the Lord. My marriage is not for myself. My business is not for myself. My money is not for myself. What is God demanding? God will place a demand in all those things. All those things are used to worship God. Your marriage uses it to worship God. Your business, you use it to worship God. Your finances, you use it to worship God. Just like Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, he said that in nothing will he be ashamed. But his earnest expectation is that through his body, whether by life or by death, that Christ will be magnified. Magnified there is the word praise and worship. So God is going to receive a worship from Paul, whether he dies, whether he lives. No longer living for yourself. That's the New Testament perspective about everything. 
Everything, whatever you are doing, your thoughts, your mind, your agenda are set for kingdom. Kingdom. And that's why you have time for the things of the Lord because you are kingdom conscious. That's why your business cannot take the place of kingdom from you. God has given you a ministry. Some say, some say, I don't know that God has given me a ministry. But brother, when he ascended up high, the scripture says, he led captivity captive. He gave gift to men. And he said unto us, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. When he, as the Lord ascended for you, if you say, yes, the Lord has ascended for you, then there's a need also to also recognize that the Lord who ascended for you also gave you gifts. And those gifts are ministering gifts. So you have received ministering gifts, some apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. So that means that you have a ministry. Your job is not your ministry because you can be fired from it. But your ministering gift, God's gift and calling is without repentance. Even though you are going the other way, the calling is still there. The gifting is still there. And it's time for us to know that our very life itself, we are serving the Lord. And once you know that, then you will be creating time. Nobody has to tell you this. Or maybe you need to be reminded again. You'll be creating time to say, work cannot take ministry from me. Hallelujah. My business cannot take ministry away from me. Serving is saying, when I mean ministry, I'm saying serving the saint, doing the Lord's work, the things that God have apportioned for you to do. Then you will know that, hey, I must create time for it because I'm not living for myself. Now, let me ask you a question. We are talking about New Testament giving, right? Because giving yourself is part of New Testament giving, but we are talking about finances and your material resources. In the all of 24 hours, how much of that time goes into the things of God every day? There are 24 hours in a day. How much of that time is going into the things of God? How much of your creativity is going into the things of God? Some of us in our local church, we are not profitable. We are not serving in Bible study. We are not serving the church. We are not part of any department. We are not there early. There is practically nothing we are doing. To further God's purpose. To ensure that people have a great time in a saint's gathering. It's time to repent. The prophecy of Agai is much more encompassing. It's not just about money. It's much more encompassing because when he said bring wood, it's giving their time. Because you cannot just bring wood from the mountain down to the house. You must create time. The time to build. The time to strategize. The time to plan. And I'm telling you today, God's house is not a building. God's house is his people. How many of your time do the people of God have? How many of your creativity are you using for God's purpose? How many of your talents and gifts has God gives you generously? How much of yourself are you pouring into others? That's the question. When you begin from your energy, your creativity, you know that it will touch every areas of your life, including your finances and business. Go check it out. Go find out. Something is not right if you are not living this way. It means that you are living for yourself. And with us judge, like Paul said, with us judge, that the one who has given us life, there is a need to spend that life on him. The one who gave you the life. Paul said, it is no longer I that live, but that Christ that lives in me. The life I live in the flesh. So I cannot spend his life for my own thing. I have to spend his life for his own thing. 
his life for his own purposes. The very best of what I can be for his own will, for his own pleasure, for his own desires, for all that he has created. He has created this for his own pleasure. All things were created for the pleasure of Christ. That's life, his worship. So don't say because we are saying that, oh, no tithing. Much more now you have to give. In the Old Testament, it is priests who have to consecrate their lives, okay, for the service of God. And everybody is at liberty to do what they please. In the New Testament, every single believer, hallelujah, glory to God, has been anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. He has anointed us to preach. Every one of us who is his minister has been anointed. On the basis of that anointing now, we can now stand to minister continually, continually, consistently for his household, the church, the people of God. So if I go to my local church venue and I clean up, okay, I'm not ministering to the building, okay, I'm making it convenient for the saints who are going to sit down. Okay, if I get there ahead, okay, to make sure that the seats are nicely set, I'm not doing it for the building itself. I'm doing it for the saints of God, okay, the house of God, because the people are the house of God, who are coming there to sit down. It requires time. It will require resources to advance the kingdom of God. God is in need of your resources as well as he's in need of your time. I don't say I'm giving my time so I cannot give resources. It does not work that way. The God that owns your life will use every facet of your life. Like God said through Haggai, it's time to repent. It's time to consider our ways. I just want to divert a little. I look at many people, they say, oh, I just want a man to marry. And all they are thinking about is me, 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 me. That's why you are not hearing God clearly. Route it according to his purpose, according to his will, and according to his plan. I want to read a scripture for us at this point. Just a scripture in Matthew 27, 55 to 60. Matthew 27, 55 to 60. And many women were there beholding afar off, that's Jesus on the cross, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. And among which were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. When the even was come, there came a rich man, notice the word rich man, of Arimathea, named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, 60, and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. Now, notice here a few things. That there were people who gave their resources for the ministry of Jesus from Galilee. To Jerusalem it's not an easy journey they came and consistently along the way they were ministering to Jesus and you see this man Joseph of Arimathea which the Bible recognizes here that he was a rich man how that he was the only one confident enough not the disciples of Jesus um, as it were the 12 as it were but this was a disciple of the Lord but he was a rich man 
and his affluence, okay, his wealth, had made him friends with Pilate in such a way that he could walk up to Pilate, who was the governor of Judea at the time, and said, look, I need the body of Jesus to come down. And Pilate gave him the body. And he took that body and he wrapped him in fine linen. Not just any linen clothes. In fine linen, he wrapped the body and he put it in a sepulchre in a rock, which he himself had built. It was his own. As a rich man, he had prepared his burying place, which was a place in a rock. And that is where he put the body of Jesus. But look at these two people giving their resources, using connection to advance the purposes of God. These women using their time, leaving what they had to do in Galilee, consistently working with the disciples, ministering to the needs of the Lord. Because at the time that Jesus began his ministry, it was not working. Would you reflect on this in closing today? Until we meet, my name is Paul Aremo Oluwa.